between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the grace to come here once again. But I will thank you for mercy. Thank you, Father. Give you all the praise. We say we are exalted in Jesus' name. Lord, as we come again tonight, we ask that you will show us your mercy. And you will guide us in your word, able to find bread in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask, Father, that you would set a table before us tonight again, so that we can partake of your blessing once more in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayers. That we pray, Lord, as we go into the word tonight, we ask that you will have mercy upon us. You would show us kindness tonight. Amen. To receive of your word, to be blessed even from that which you are speaking to us tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayer. Father, we come in all meekness of heart tonight. We ask, Lord, that you would help our heart to, to shift to you once more, uh, that our heart will come with all loneliness of heart. Help us, Father, let us receive from you. Amen. Let our members yield to you. Amen. Thank you, Father, because you answered our prayers. Thank you because you would give us much more blessing than we can imagine again. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your mercy that is even bringing your word. Thank you, our Father, Amen. for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <coughs> Amen. It's good to be here tonight. Just say hello to your neighbor. Good to see you tonight. <coughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm happy to be here and I'm sure we're all happy to be to be here tonight as well. <coughs> Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Just pardon me for a minute. Amen. Amen. Right in your room. Okay. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. So tonight I'm looking to continue <clears throat> where we stopped, but that was on Saturday. But I'm hoping maybe. I can 
just look at one or two things again. Amen. Uh, but before I continue, is it? Do we have any question? No question. Amen. Amen. So can we please open to the book of Second Corinthians, chapter four? <clears throat> And I'm trusting God that tonight is going to be pretty short. Because I'm just hoping to maybe just give a recap. <clears throat> or maybe explain much more concerning Saturday. Amen. Um, I'm already seeing a direction just generally overall where God is leading us to based on what everyone has been saying in the past few days or few meetings <clears throat> and almost like they are just preparing us. I know um, they are already speaking to us concerning things of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Um, but when, before we get to start talking about things of the kingdom or while Evan is actually talking about the things of the kingdom, the issue with the sight and light needs to be clarified. Amen. Amen. I know maybe there's been a general understanding of what God's light is. I mean, at least for me, when I talk about God's light, uh, in the past, I'll probably just think about um, God showing something, right? Um, I, I don't think I know too much about God's light in the sense that, because that light has to do with revelation. Uh, when it comes to God's light, when God's light begins to shine, one of the things that we begin to see is that the spirit of revelation will be uh, heightened or will be present with his soul. Amen. And revelation is really, really needed when it comes to coming into the life of God. Or, but it's not only in the faith of the Son that they teach revelation. Because even in the milk of the world, there's been revelation. Amen. But what is being revealed is what is important. Amen. Now, in milk, what is being revealed is not really the light of God. And what is being revealed are things pertaining to the Holy Ghost, which will, I guess, is like a preparatory stage. For <clears throat> the light that is to come. Amen. Amen. So they want to get us uh, familiar with the world of revelation. Right? So one of the things that we begin to see is begin to see how um, the spirit lifts scriptures to begin to bring us into a world that is strange to to us. Amen. Yeah. And every believer must be able to take that leap when they begin to receive by faith things that heaven begin to speak out of the word. Amen. Yeah. It takes faith for that to, to be to be held or to for that to operate upon the soul, amen. amen. 
but of course we're talking about revelation but i'm not uh hmm. amen, amen. Yeah. well let me put it this way because when you talk about revelation it has to do with light amen but because i'm not talking about that specifically today i want us to just go and read that um second corinthians chapter four Perhaps maybe if I can continue from where I stopped on on Saturday, but I don't know if I have enough grace to continue yet. Amen. Um, that's why I was wondering if there's any question. No question. <laughs> okay. I guess maybe today I'll just maybe just breeze through what we discussed on Saturday again, just to give a little bit more clarity, and perhaps from there. Okay, we, we see where we're joining into. Amen. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, in, in part of the Second Corinthians chapter 4, do I want to, to ask for like, what a word means? A word? Yeah. Which verse? So, Second um, Corinthians 4, verse 6. It says, For God who commanded the light mm. to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. No one asked if that um that light, light of the knowledge of the glory of God is that light that is there. Does that mean like understanding of the knowledge of the glory of God? Mm, I guess uh, let's read it. Because oh. I know that's what we are going to read anyways. I mean we're already ready, but so the question is more of is the light? Yeah, like I mean, let me say, oh, the light of something. Yes. I think maybe it means like the understanding of it, or, mm. or the substance, the light. I don't know. I just like to ask yes. what the light means. So, I think you're in the right part in the oh. sense that light really means, or light has to do with the understanding of a thing, oh. right? So, um, let me read. Let me read. Let me read from verse, verse Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one to six. It said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, um, just reading from here, it's like, what are they talking about? Therefore, seeing that we have this ministry, okay, what is the ministry that they are talking about? That actually is in chapter three, right? Now, the ministry that they are talking about really is the ministration of the Spirit. Right? Now, but the ministration of the Spirit enables them um, uh, to be able ministers. Right? Now, you know what? Maybe I'll just read from chapter 3 up to chapter 4. Says, do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some other epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our heart, known and read of all men. Now, here Paul is talking about the epistle being written upon the hearts. Now, he has ministered to them, and by ministering to them, what is what is ministry? To them is the epistle. The purpose of ministry is to write it upon their heart. Right? Now, but of course, that which is to be written upon their heart is already written in their heart, which is why they're able to minister it. Amen. It says, Ye, it says, Ye 
are our epistles, meaning that they are men they were written. Right? Because mm-hmm. the, the people that, what is calling our epistles here are people. Mm-hmm. So ye are our epistles. So those people are people that are written upon. Mm-hmm. Right? Which means that he's talking about a conversation of life. Which is in them as a result of the epistle, which is ministered to them. Amen. Amen. I said, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. So the way they write upon their heart is by the Spirit. Amen. Um, and this also refers to, I'll, I'll say in a way, when you go to First Corinthians chapter 2, I think I will probably read it, right? First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, I read from verse 4. Because this is, this is to the Corinthians, right? He's talking to them. It says, well, let me read from verse 1. It says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So Paul is talking about declaring the testimony to them. So we can see in Second Corinthians chapter three, what is now talking about that yeah, it's written, right? So yeah, because he has been ministering to these people, right? So he's talking about the technology of how things can be written upon heart and a or a soul can carry it, right, and begin to live it, pretty much. And by living it, they are also declaring or preaching the epistle. So for I determined not to know anything among you, that's verse 2, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and emotion. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Amen. So his preaching is not with enticing words, but it's in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, right? Now, that demonstration is not just talking about, you know, the spirit demonstrating uh, power by maybe healing the secrets and the dead, right? Um, demonstration here is talking about the ability, right, to, to, to animate a life, Right? Or dem- to demonstrate a life. For example, to for if, if you see somebody manifesting uh, meekness now, now Holy Ghost can demonstrate meekness through a soul, right? Now the way Holy Ghost can demonstrate that is by what is written upon that soul that Holy Ghost can use to demonstrate a life. Amen. And also, it takes the demonstration of the Spirit to also write it upon the heart. Amen. So, just talking. So, when I say demonstration of the Spirit and of power, it's not just so. It's not just talking about people coming and then we are demonstrating power by healing the sick and the dead. Right? It means demonstrate. It means to show. Right. So it means the Spirit is showing. Right. The preaching. So my preaching is not in man's wisdom, but in demonstration, right, of the Spirit. So the Spirit pretty much is showing what is being preached. Amen. Now it says, uh, okay, so that's that what is being preached, right? 
that Holy Ghost is demonstrating is what is written. For Holy Ghost to be able to use a soul to demonstrate it, right, it must be written upon their heart, right? So that's what I'm trying to refer to in this Second Corinthians chapter three, that says that ye are our epistles, written in our heart, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared or demonstrably declared, if that makes sense, to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, because it is the spirit that will write it upon the heart. Right? So, how they wrote them up to the epistle is by the preaching, which is by the spirit. So, Paul is referring to a work which they were able to do by preaching. That, that preaching and getting men written upon is a ministration. Right? It says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us, Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in the fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust have we, through Christ, to God's word. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. Right? Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Right? So, made them able ministers of the New Testament. Now, they were ministering the New Testament. That's what he's saying here. So, God made them able ministers of the New Testament. Now, the New Testament that they're talking about has to do with the with the receiving of the promise. Right? Now, which God promised us. Right? Which first Peter chapter first Peter sorry, second Peter chapter one, right? Talks about when it says that by these exceeding great and precious promises we might be partakers of his divine nature. Ex- exceeding great and precious promises. Right? We might be partakers of his divine nature. Right? Now, it's talking, those promises ought to result into something. Right? Those promises is to get us to inherit God's life and godliness. Amen? Now, it says not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God Say so God is the one that made them sufficient. God that gave them the capability to be able to minister the spirit to the to these men which they were which were written, right? Who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letters, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Right? So God made them able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letters, but of the Spirit. Because the only way you can actually minister the New Testament is by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So the, and the New Testament that they're talking about here is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Right? It's not talking about that. 
he's talking about the new the actual new testament in the spirit the new testament is really talking about a new law right or the only way to the, the, the best way to see it is to relate the new testament to the old testament right the old testament in itself is not genesis exodus right leviticus the way they divided the Bible, right, to show Old and New Testament, right? The Old Testament is a testament. All the books that talks about that area is what they now, what they now named Old Testament. Because before the Testament even came, there are, there's Genesis, right, which is the beginning. Exodus, that's the exit of uh, Israel from Egypt, right? Leviticus, that's the pre- talking about the priesthood, right? And then talking about you know uh, uh, numbers, right? Then the rest of the books about kings, and then judges, right? And then the ex- the the ex- uh, the the movement of Israel into uh, what's that thing called? Into captivity, and then you know from bringing them out of captivity, right? Uh, back into their land, and all those all those things, right? So those are that's what all these things about. But all these things really, really, what is centered? What what you can get from there is the test. What the testament is about, right? So what God gave the actual Old Testament is when God called Moses to the mountain and He gave him the two tablets, right? Those two things are the testament, right? What is inside it is what they refer to as the testament, and there's something that the testament does. Right, so God didn't just give them testament so that they can say this is a testament. If that makes sense, God gave them testament for a purpose for them to receive a kind of life. The reason for the testament is actually actually to guide Israel in a, in a particular way of living. Amen. So if Israel could walk in the statues, or if Israel can walk. In what the, te- the the testament says, what that means is that they can receive righteousness. But if they can't, that means they can't receive righteousness. So God gave them the testament, but they couldn't even fulfill all the law. Now, what the testament contains are laws. Does that make sense? So a testament, what the testament contains are laws of life. Simple. What a testament contains are laws of life. So, if anybody can receive a testament, what that means is that they would have in them, right, laws of life. Because what the testament really is about is is a way how to live. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and only him shall you serve. That's how to live, right? Um, remember, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He's still talking about a soul loving God, right? He's talking about um, make sure you don't covet your neighbor's uh, property. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not commit fornication. Thou shall not. Uh... Ah, it's ten. It's ten commandments. I'm trying to. Uh... I don't know. I remember all of them. That's a commandment. That shall not. Therefore, we test against their neighbor, right? So, when you look at all those things, all they are talking about really, eh, 
actually laws of life, how to live. Which, if a soul can abide by it, they will have a manner of living that is different from the world or from the Gentile, the Gentilic nations. If a soul can live by that, you are, you are most righteous amongst all nations because nobody is living the way the law asks them to live. Right? So in, the testament God gave them is in a way to separate them from the people. To live a different kind of life that is foreign to the life that men live in those times. So inside them, there was no, there was no caution about sleeping with uh, neighbor's wives. All those things. If anybody says, ah, I'll take that neighbor's property, they can steal. They still, there's no, they don't see any problem there. The same way, you as a normal person, right? You go out today, you leave, let's say you just leave your, I, I remember one day, me and my wife, we, we bought something. I think it was Gary, Pepe, and a few things. Um, I don't think, we were not married then, but we now drove, because I was going to drop out, and then we now drove to my house so I can quickly pick something. Right. So by the time I quickly went into the house, I think she followed me as well. So I just quickly picked something. So I left the car on. And also, well, I don't think I left the car on, but the car was open. By the time we got back to the car, it, it did not take two, three, I don't think it took up to three or four, five minutes. What was it? The car was gone. And we were like, in like two, three minutes, really? Now, to us, in a normal sense, nobody should be able to go there and steal. Yeah. That is a way of life in my head. But to the person that stole it, it was probably normal for them to go and steal. Yeah. They didn't even take anything. They just, oh, they, they just parked. Ha! There must be something. Let me go and check. It was so funny. Like, within a split second, somebody just went there, stole, and left. So what I'm trying to explain is that those lives, or the, the things that the law was to deal with, right, are things that is normal. I think that were normal for the Gentilic nation. Then all the people that they were living that way, were not living any differently. They lived. It's everything that the law was telling them not to do was what the Gentile nations were doing. Why? Because. So thou shalt love the Lord thy God and only him shall you say, Thou shalt not worship another God before me, right? Now, every the gentle nation were worshiping all kinds of gods. Now, so the Lord that God gave Israel is not because God wants to kill Israel, it's because this law is actually pointing to God's life. That's why God gave them the law. So, what God really wants to give Israel is life. So, the promised land and everything, the promise to Israel really is life. And I'm pretty sure that even though God knew Israel wouldn't, right? But if Israel had been able to follow the law, right? The matter, I don't think God would need to now do extra. Perhaps maybe God has been looking, is there a way that somebody would, wouldn't need to come and die? Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's possible that if Israel can live his life, they, what they can do is, what they will get is Christ. Because the reason for Christ, really, 
is to create a gap or is to bridge the gap between Adam, his state before he fell, and man's state now after the fall. Does that make sense? So Christ, the provision of Christ is to bridge the gap between Adam's life and the fallen life. Now, once Christ bridges that gap, it will take souls into the everlasting nature. If that makes sense. Right? So that they can then look for the hope of eternal life. Because Adam didn't have all these problems that we are dealing with today. So what, because the problem of Adam after the fall is the world. Because what came after Adam fell is the world. Then the world began to flourish. So God needed to deal with the world inside men to restore them back to the Adamic state. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Now, yes, sir. God had to raise Christ. So that's what that is for. But Christ really is a life. Christ is a life. It's a life that any man can live and escape the corruption in the world. Mm. Amen. So when God gave Israel the law, right? What God or gave them the testament, what God gave them is a way of living. A manner of life that is after God. Which God sanctioned, right? It is a life that God satisfies. If you can live like this, you will be separated totally from a Gentile. Does that make sense? Because they were not, even though they were called a people of God, but they are not yet a people. Does that make sense? So, like I was explaining, I think on Saturday too, that it is possible that a believer is born again, but the life inside that believer is the same as, a, as, as an unbeliever. The only difference is that he's using the name of Jesus to live that life. Amen. Amen. Now, of course, maybe there's a separation between going to club, but there's so many Christians that go to club and party, right? And they call themselves Christians, and they are Christians. And they are born again. Just that when you now begin to look at the, the fabric of their nature, you now realize that, ah, there's a, whole, there's a whole lot of life missing here, right? So it is possible that the life inside a newborn believer is the same as the life that is inside a Gentile or inside an unbeliever. Because an unbeliever really is what the scripture calls a Gentile, right? So when you get born again, it's possible you still have that same life. Because when Israel left Egypt, right? Egypt was still inside them. Right? Because they just kept looking for all kinds of God. The moment Moses went to the mountain and it was taking more than 40 days. So it was taking more than, how I many? 40 days is too long. It was taking more than a day. More than five hours. Let me read just five hours. They started talking to Aaron already. Aaron, can you please make us a God? Can you please make us a God? And if you wonder why did Aaron do it? Yeah. It is the people that requested for it. The same way, the same way God can give the desires of the people to them. 
For example, when they asked for a king, yeah. right? I think it was okay. It was uh, I guess all these stories are coming together. But on Saturday, I was talking about how Israel was talking to the Gentile nations where they began to show that ah, there's a way they live. They have kings. They go to, that their king is what that leads them to war. Ah, I think we should have that. Too. Oh yeah, um, Samuel, please give us a king. We need a king. They were the way the way what the, the, the problem is still in their heart is the way they the way they live. They were looking to the Gentiles. They were not looking to the way God lives or the way God is setting order. Because in God's order, He gave them a priest. Because that's what they need. But they requested for a king. Right? And a king is is really the way of the Gentiles. It's not God's way. But God gave it to them. Because it is the heart of the people. The same way, the same way, and I think, and, I, and it's the same wisdom I learned a while back, whereby it is possible, whereby the same way, all of us are having issues with one leader, especially in Nigeria, right? Where we're all, ah, we don't want, but when you not check, the leader you see there is actually is a reflection of the heart of the people. Okay, let's say because now we can have an argument that Nigeria is. Bias, the ring election, no problem. Let's come here. The leader you see here, even in Canada, is a reflection of the heart of the people. Why? Who voted him there? The people. And it's so funny, like, okay, he has stayed for, let's say, the, the, the president has stayed, or the prime minister has stayed for four years, meaning that it is enough to know exactly what he does. If there's a new election, he wins again. It tells you that the people want him there. So, what you see is that so no matter let's say and God's choice is that it's not this guy, it's not this guy that I want. But anyways, yeah. if you want him, take. So God actually gives the what the people and you want, but because God will never force His choice on men. That's one thing, and you can see it; it's there. In God's nature, God will never force His choice on men. Men will have to choose. Amen. So what you see elected is the is the is the is the choice of the people. Amen. So Israel asked uh, Aaron to give them. A good image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me your earrings. He created and he gave it to them. Mm-hmm. What was he? What is all this? When the people, when they say that you were God, the people asked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had no choice. He had to give it to them. Mm-hmm. If 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 I, I perceive if Aaron said no, they would have probably maybe. If they didn't kill him, they would throw him away and go look for someone that would give them the thing. Simple as that. Amen. But what I'm trying to say pretty much here is that the, the testament that God gave Israel was really to separate them from the Gentile nation. To stop them from thinking the way a Gentile will think or the way a Gentile will live their life. So God gave them the testament, which we call the Old Testament, to instruct them about an, another way of living, which God satisfies which is right in the sight of God. Because no one 
chased after God. Everybody was running after their own thing. Amen. Amen. So God gave them the Old Testament. So what the point here, I'm trying to speed up a bit. So the point I'm trying to put here is that a testament, right, is actually for to guide men in the way of life. Or rather, God's own way of life. Or God's manner of living. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So for men to come into God's manner or God's, God's way of living, right? He had to give them how to live, right? What to do if you want to live in my way. Live, so give them the testament which they ought to live by. And there are things surrounding that testament which God made sure that it is patterned after him. Now, because that testament God gave Israel is a shadow of the New Testament, really. Why? The, let me put it this way. The New Testament is the original testament. Now, when God was giving the Old Testament, what God wanted to give, right, was much more than that. The law that God had to write upon stones, right, tablet that they gave to Moses, was not meant to be on stones. It was, that's what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians. said, uh, in verse 3, it says, For as much as you were manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stones. Because the Old Testament was actually written in the tables of stones. And that table of stone is a typification of the heart of the people. They have a hard heart. They have a stony heart. Right? So they had a stony, they are very stubborn. Imagine, before God even writes the testament, they don't create God's safe. He was not, the testament was not even. And in short, and funny enough, the, the testament alone is not really what God instructed Israel. Those ten commandments, it's not, it's not alone. After the testament, God actually also started instructing them on the manner of living. After the ten commandments, there's also, if do not muscle an ox. And they're talking about if you borrow a ox or an animal or something, borrow from a neighbor and the thing died, you are responsible to pay back. Different things. If you steal and there's something you have to give back yourself, no. All those things that God was giving was really to instruct. All God was really dealing with Israel is how to live. Right? So the testament was about life. And there are two plates there, right? One, right, is actually to God. The other is to neighbors, right? He's talking about the, the two, the two, the two sides of God's law, which is Christ and God, really, right? Because that area of neighbor is actually an area of brethren. When you talk about how to deal with brethren and all those things, that's Christ dimension. So there's in the law you have Christ and God, really. 
right? But what those two reflect is the way a soul should live. Amen. Amen. So the way a soul should live is what the testament talks about. Because what it what people testify about is a life. Yeah. What testimony is for is to talk about a life. Wow. Amen. So God is God God is in the business of life. Yeah. Amen. What God wants to transact is life. What God wants to give a soul is life. Right from the moment God con- conceives the idea of a soul, his intent is to give that soul life. The reason why Jesus went on the cross to die is because of life. And the life there is not to get you born again alone, new birth. It's not for that alone. Because new birth is alone is not enough. Does that make sense? New birth is awesome. Like I mean, you can't. You, there's, you, like there's nothing you can use to quantify new birth, right? Because it is precious. It is the, it is the beginning of a journey, really, in the spirit. And when God looks at a soul and you get him born again, nothing, nothing. God is not seeing whether you ought to have money or not. God does not care about all that. What God cares about is a soul inheriting life. Now, when I say God does not care about that, that doesn't mean that God wants everybody to be poor. You know what I mean? But I'm not saying, or I'm saying that in God's heart of heart and what he looks for is not to make somebody rich or give us earthly things. It's us that look after this. I mean, because it's desirable, God can actually give it to us. Wow. Especially when we are babies. The same way a baby, right? And I, and I think it's Pastor TJ that also, also gave this analogy, right? He was mentioning about how God deals with children. Or let's say a father now. When a child is born, you have all the capability to discipline that child. You know how to beat, brace, slap, and hem. But as the child is going, it's not immediately you start beating, right? Yeah. It's as the child, you'll be waiting for the child to grow. Yeah. So you can chastise. So, or you measure the amount of chastisement you can give to the to the baby as it grows you know okay this baby can take more you begin to increase right yeah. that's the way God deals with us yeah. so when we get born again or imagine even if a child is asking for something you may not want to give it to a child but because ah it's a child ah in this stage you might okay take right take 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 but when after a while you'll be like no you can't take this one you know what I mean so it, it means that God, there's a way God deals with us. So when we get born again, there's a lot God can allow. Yeah. We can cry, yeah, I don't care. God can give us car. Right? God can give us money. But that's not really the main dealing of God with a soul. It's possible that a soul may have all the billions in this world, but it is wretched. But it's possible for also a soul to be rich and be rich in the spirit as well. Amen. Amen. It is possible for a soul to be wretched and poor, but rich in the spirit. But it's also possible for a soul to be wretched and poor in the natural, but also wretched and poor in the spirit. And but that's bad, man. At least if you're not winning in the natural, winning in the spirit. 
Though I mean those suffer on both sides. I mean those are known now. You know, somebody can be poor and still be suffering and still be foolish. Amen. So God does not care about that. What what God really wants to give to a soul is life. What God God's business, God's dealing with a soul. How God is dealing with a soul is I need to give you life. Come take life. So what God is doing many things in the beginning, his intent is to give life. And I realize that when when Peter asked us, he has given out all things pertaining to life and godliness. That's second Peter chapter one. Right? So it's exactly talking about the beginning of the receiving of what God really wants to give. Life first and godliness. Because when we receive life, we keep receiving it until we are godly. Because right, when a soul is born again, the immediate state, that soul is really ungodly. Why? It means that that, that soul does not, have, does not have God nature in any shape or form. So it is ungod, it's an ungodly soul. That soul does not have elements of God inside. If you check it, perhaps maybe what you'll find there is car, house, tree. So people love tree. Uh, what else can you find inside souls? All kinds of things you can find there. But they'll check, they can, ah, there's no 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 God life here. Right? But they check the spirit, ah, there's a lot of provision of life there. You know, when you got born again. But the internet is to see that thing inside the spirit must find its way into the soul of a man. The soul and spirit are not the same. But it's very it's easy to confuse the two, especially in milk. Because in milk, you don't actually see the two. You see one. You see the spirit. So, and it is very possible for you to, to not realize the aspect of the soul. So when everybody is saying, my spirit man, my spirit man, my spirit man. Oh, oh, my spirit. Sometimes it is the soul talking. Amen. Amen. And that's why somebody might suspect a brother. Right? And may not know that that thing is suspicion. It's actually not the spirit. It's the soul talking. And they will misjudge. Amen. So, what I'm trying to say pretty much is that God's business with his soul is life. And there's a part where life begins. It's not, it's not, it's not a new birth. Or let's say life begins in a soul. Because in the spirit there's life there. Right? So, the purpose of the testament is to instruct men about a way of life. Because the testament are laws of life. Now, that, so the Old Testament, I guess the reason why I'm, ah, I took time to explain this in the Old Testament is because I really want to explain the New Testament, right? And so I needed to take time to explain the Old so I can reference the New. Now, you now see that everything concerning the New Testament is talking about this law of life. The same way the Old Testament was to give, instruct Israel about law, about how to live, right? Which is to instruct them concerning life. The New Testament really is talking about the writing of a new law inside the heart of the people, which was God's initial intent. Amen? Upon the mountain. So when God was upon the mountain on Sinai, he called Israel to him. Say, Moses, prepare the people, sanctify, let them sanctify themselves. On this third day, I will appear on the mountain and they should come to me. 
Right there, what God wanted to do is when they come, He wants to write His law in their heart and in their mind. But the moment they saw the mountain that bonnet with a tempest and with cloud and darkness, what did they do? They ran away. They told Moses, Moses, we cannot endure this speaking. Because all God was doing, tumbling, tundra, lightning, fire, all those things that were actually speaking. God was actually talking to Israel. Because those voices were eventually going to become a law in their heart. And that's why Paul now said in Hebrews 12, right? It says, when the people could not endure the word to, be, to speak. Ah, let's read it. Okay, laws of life, laws of life. Let me not forget. Hebrews 12, verse... Let me read from verse 16. It says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Verse 17. Say, For ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing... He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Say, for ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, right? And are burned with fire. What Paul is talking about here is really the Mount Sinai, where God landed on. Now, and one of the things God said to them is that before, eh? So nobody must come near the mountain. If mm. as to anybody touch the mountain, they shall be um, thrown through, stone, stone through with a dart. Mm. Meaning that, I don't know, dart is like a small arrow. Mm. <laughs> Pretty much, they are technically saying arrow will pierce them and will die. <laughs> right? Yeah. Meaning that no, nobody should come near the mountain. Right? Because it is fearful that place is holy so god because god has already god has landed on the mountain it is holy nobody should come there until god calls them to come right then they can because god has allowed them they have received entrance right because it is god that calling them when the god calls them they can approach but nobody should dare approach if they are not called you know what i mean and then he says for verse 10, for ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words. You see, voice of words, which voice they that had entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. So Israel said, Ah. This thing should not be spoken to us anymore. Please don't speak to us anymore. Moses, go and hear. Yeah. Whatever he tells you, come and tell us what we will do. That's not a lie, but it's also a lie. You know the way you can tell somebody? Um, you know what? Go and come. When you come back, just give me a call. And then I would, um, I would, I would you know, just go with you and then go and complete the deal. But the person telling that person is just looking for a way to let that person just go. 
so that they can escape. But now that person is coming back and is calling them, phone will be off. Yeah. And then, ah, where are you now? Oh, <coughs> that guy. <coughs> I couldn't do what he was asking me. I just decided to tell him to go, just so he can let me be, so that he can go. But that is God, I can escape, and then you call me, nobody will answer. You know, we have that kind of wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's Satan. Mm. So these people, these people told Moses, go. I'm pretty sure in the act of that, maybe they thought they can. But the reason why they actually did that is that they know that they can't contain this thing. This thing is too high for them. Mm. Some of the things, they, they were weary of it. They're like, uh, mm. No. To make it to make the to lighten the body on them, they now said, Go, Moses, you go and hear because they want to put the burden on Moses. Yeah. You go and hear whatever it tells you, come and tell us. Yeah, you, you know, think about it when you know about something, but the responsibility is not on you, it's lighter. Yeah. You can hear it. Oh, yes, okay. What is that? Oh, they said we should not, we should go and you know, you know, cut the grass. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, that's good though. But the responsibility is not on you because you're not the one that received the law. Yes, sir. Imagine if you're the let's say your dad, you know, says, Ah, we need to cut grass. Shade, uh, go and cut the go and take your siblings mm-hmm. and go and cut the grass out there, okay. Yes, Daddy. Right there and then, Shade has the responsibility. The siblings were added, yeah. but if the siblings decide not to, Shade must ensure that that grass is cut. Yeah. So when Shade goes, ah, oh yeah, let's go and cut. What do you mean, Auntie Shade? Please leave me alone. No, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you will go. You go. Uh, what? You want to force? I beg, leave that thing. Yeah. But eh, go and tell Daddy now. Shade is in trouble. What will I do? So Shade has two choices. Go and cut the grass or go and tell daddy. Even if Shade goes to tell daddy, Shade will still cut that grass. Yeah. Unless let's say let's change the scenario. Maybe daddy now comes and say, all of you, go and cut the grass. Yeah. But imagine, imagine daddy has traveled for a month mm-hmm. and responsibilities on Shade. So Up until the month until daddy comes, nobody will cut that grass. Yeah. Except Shade goes and cut the grass. So if Shade, if they if they know that that is not coming, and Shade, and Shade with his, with her heart, notice that this grass keeps growing thirty days before that it comes. Ah, you know what? Let me go and cut it at least so that it won't become a bush. Yeah. And I wonder they come. Daddy, see when you are away, this you know, ah, hey, oh yeah, everybody come, kneel down there, everybody, then you flog, right? Mm-hmm. But within the thirty days, see, Shade's hey. responsibility, right? Hey. Now what I'm trying to say is that when you receive the law directly. You bear the responsibility way much more than when it is being spoken to you second hand. Yes, and that's what Israel did. Mm. They couldn't entreat them. They couldn't receive it. Yeah. So all those words were meant to be laws. Yeah. See those trumpets, those words that was being spoken to them yeah. are God's own law. God's life. But the, the manner in which it comes is scary. Yeah. Thunder. Lightning. Fire burning, but those things ought not to be scary when it is a soul that is in love with God. When a soul is in love with God, those things are not scary. They are things. They are things that will be exciting to a soul. 
the way fire burns on a soul that is in, in love with God is different from a soul that is running away from fire. Does that make sense? The fire of God upon a soul is not hurtful. But the moment a soul, those Israel was seeing it, eh? Israel was running away from that. And that's what most of us are. Sometimes when we see, when we notice that God is going to talk about certain area, we, be, we, have, we have a nature that we must not be speaking. If you know where the word will be spoken to you, you will dodge it. Or sometimes you can even claim, I don't understand. Sila, you understand. You just want to run. But sincerely, sometimes you may not. I'm just saying that there are dynamics to these things. And it's possible for a heart to be on to be on truthful. Not as a way you can, we can silently how's that word? Turn blind. You know, there's a way you can, there's a way you, you can you won't give in to there's a place in the soul yeah. where if you really want to understand something, you can you can drop your heart in there. Like, oh, yes, I want. But as a way we can avoid that in our heart, then we just listen with our heart, heart shielded away. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Open up your heart. Mm-hmm. Just open up your heart. Let's see. Wow. Amen. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes, perhaps, so maybe fear will be afraid. But nothing about God is to be afraid of. Yes. Everything about God is to be loved, wow. yeah. endured. Yeah, Amen. Those are things of God are things where men should follow after, should pant after, mm-hmm. should go after. Yes. Amen. So those words, let me go back to Corinthians. So those words, right, are the words which are meant to be laws upon the hearts of men. But because they couldn't receive it in Israel, God had to write it upon stones, signifying that they have a stony heart. Wow. But because God can't write His law upon a stony heart, He needs it to be written upon a fleshy heart. Right? It's, and God's intention is to make sure that our heart comes to a point where it becomes fleshy. So I can write His law there, which is the New Testament. So the New Testament is the original testament. That word that is spoken upon the mountain which couldn't get to the heart of the people is really the testament. Amen. Amen. So when the people couldn't receive God out of it, he now created a shadow of that. Then wrote it upon the stones to show them, really, this is your heart. I I couldn't write it upon your heart because you have a stone in your heart. Let me write it upon stones. To show you what your heart is. Even though the law upon stone, the people couldn't even, this law upon stone, God, His mercy, God gave them. They couldn't, they still couldn't fulfill the law. Amen. So that's what in verse, uh, in chapter 3, verse, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 was talking about. Say, not in tables of stones, but in the fleshy tables of the heart. Because the heart ought to be fleshy. Now you now realize in Ezekiel, I think 38, where God now began to talk, say, and I will give him them a, a heart of flesh. God talking about giving souls a heart of flesh so that he can give his spirit upon them. 
Amen. So the act of flesh is what God can write his law upon. That's what the New Testament rests on. Amen. So the New Testament also is talking about a law of life. So the New Testament really talks about laws of life. Amen. Amen. So what it now says in verse 4, And such as are we through Christ to God were not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Verse 6 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. So now think, think about it. God had to speak those testament, but he couldn't because the people couldn't receive it. When Jesus came, right, and he commissioned the apostles, and then also Paul, God gave them ability to minister the New Testament. Now, ability to minister the New Testament is the ability to speak the words that God wanted to speak to souls to write his laws upon them. So what Paul is really talking about is three, in this chapter 3, in the beginning, was, he's, he's talking about the manner which, which the word can come upon the soul, right? And it can be written upon the heart. And the, the kind of word they carry that they are trying to minister. Does that make sense? Now, when I said the apostles were commissioned, it was not all the apostles that were ministering the New Testament in the beginning. What the apostles had before Paul was actually the, the is the gospel of Jesus, which which can which can apply in a measure to the soul, but mostly outwardly upon the soul. Why? Because when you look about the ministry of Jesus, then it talks a lot about you know miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead, right? Um, but when it comes to soul salvation, that area is limited. To begin to move into souls of men. You know, the, the first area, the outward, to apply to the outward aspect of men, it's not, really, it's, not, it's not really bad in a sense, in the sense that God was using that to call their attention to him. But where God is going is much more than that, right? Where God is going is in the soul of men. So when that Jesus aspect can appease the outward you know, aspect of a soul, then you need Christ to begin to move into the soul of men. Now, it is Paul, and that, that the ministry of Christ is when New Testament ministry begins. And how it begins, right, is like the faith of the Son. What the faith of the Son talks about is a life. Right? Now, that life is, is beginning to to, to instruct a soul concerning the New Testament. But the soul hasn't received it the moment they start learning about Christ or faith of the Son. It's just that they are beginning to move towards what the New Testament speaks about. Because the New Testament also is kept in the most holy place. And the, the, the New Testament is coming out. As laws, there's a way. You know, this God used the, the 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 Israel arrangement to speak about how to deal with the testament, because the testament is in the ark, right? Really, the ark ought to be men. That ark was not meant to be a wood. 
overlaid with gold was actually supposed to be men. Inside their heart, because inside the ark is where the testament rests. Mm. So that testament was that ark was supposed to be men, and the testament was supposed to be in their heart. But God now used the old the old arrangement to show us how from Israel you need to move into the court. Mm. From the court, you need to become a priest. From becoming a priest, you need to move into the holy place and become the ark. So that the law can the testament can rest in you. And if the testament can rest in you, then you can sit upon the throne. Wow. Because God sits upon the ark. Does that make sense? Yes. See, that ark is the throne. So it's really pretty much talking about a journey of a believer. Yeah. Right? So upon the ark, on top of it, you have the mercy seat where God sits on and God talks from. Amen. Amen. Just imagine that a soul has become an ark with testament inside it. Then God can rest upon that soul. And God can witness from that soul. Because God can speak from there. Does that make sense? So we cannot understand clearly when he said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. That testimony, their testimony was not initially theirs. It was God's testimony, which they inherited, which now became their testimony. Because, see that journey of a believer is journey of inheritance. Amen. Amen. I, I was talking simple. Now, let me go back to, being to, to talking simple. Amen. But I just said that just to just quickly give us a, a roadmap, a, a, a way of where the roadmap is regarding to where we are going, right? So, the, the summary is that the testament is really talking about a life, instructions and laws of life. So, there is the original testament, right? Which is the original intent of God, which he wants to write upon heart, right? God wants to write upon souls, his own law, which we now refer now to as the New Testament. So the ministry of the New Testament begins when Christ is beginning to come upon his soul. When Christ is coming and resting upon his soul, that soul is receiving the laws of the Testament. Does that make sense? And that's, it is called that ministers that law. So God enables Paul. He called Paul and after the apostles you know, were preaching about Jesus, on the way to Damascus, God arrested Paul and then he, he gave, he commissioned Paul to start teaching about Christ, which is really teaching about life. And that's when Paul now began to teach about God's life. And started talking about Christ. Christ. He taught Christ. He began to move men into life. So, he's talking, let's talk about a ministry he has received. Does that make sense? To minister the New Testament, which is the Word of God. Amen? Amen? First, the Word of Christ, then the Word of God. Amen? And that says in verse 7, okay, verse 6 says, Also, I made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now, what he's saying here is that the only way you can minister the New Testament is by the Spirit. You can't access it through letters. Because when you try it with letters, what you end up doing is killing people. 
but it is the spirit that giveth life. Meaning, you have to come into the spirit of the law, right? Mm. Or you need to come into what Paul called the law of this, 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 this uh, in Romans 8. The law of the spirit of life in Christ, right? Now, those laws, he's talking about New Testament. The law of the spirit of life, right? He's talking about the spirit of life. And I told you that the New Testament is to give life. Amen. How the test, you know, the, and don't forget that the testament are words, right? It means that the words must be spoken to give the law. And then now remember when Jesus said, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life, right? So, by speaking of the words of God, which God must enable a soul to be able to do by the spirit. God must allow a soul to be able to move into this thing by the Spirit. By the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, you must be able to demonstrate the life. Amen. And that says, not only about the Spirit, but the letter, for the letter clear, but the Spirit giveth life. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to rush because, and I'm, but I think I, I, I dwelt a lot on that New Testament era. I, I think that is the New Testament clear now. Right? So the New Testament is still talking about laws. So when you are beginning to deal with laws, right? The first law you receive is the law of the spirit of life. If that makes sense. When you're beginning to receive the testament. The first law you receive is the law of the spirit of life. Amen. So, but that says... Who had also made us able to okay, verse 7. So, but if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, was glorious. Now, Paul is calling the Old Testament the ministration of death, right? Because it really, you can classify it also as the letter. Even though it is the, spirit, the Spirit of God is involved in the writing of it. But the people couldn't relate with that law spiritually. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> that says, if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, so it's calling all those things that was engraved in the stones, the Old Testament, is, is, Paul is calling the ministration of death. So if it is glorious, because that arrangement had a kind of glory. Yeah. And it was so glorious in such a way that Moses' face was glowing. Yeah. After he sat on the mountain for days, received all the law. He came out, his face, they shine. They couldn't even look, but it's, it was even mentioned here. Let me read further. It says, and it was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. Right? So for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away? How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Now saying that this other ministry of the Spirit, which is talking about the New Testament, is even much more glorious. Right? So for if the ministration of the condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceeding glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. 
For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil on taking away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ, meaning Christ took away that veil. So, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. I'm just speaking up so I can move forward because I've not even started anything in that chapter 4. So I, I, I think I've explained the major area there. Then it's, here, the rest here is just talking about comparing the old to the new, the glory that comes with both, right? And the work of Christ in the New Testament, right? Because the veil that is in the old was taken away by Christ, right? So now the law now says in verse uh, 16, Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now it says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Say, so therefore, seeing we have this ministry. Now, which ministry is he talking about? He's talking about the ministry of the New Testament, which has to do with changing of men, right? Into an image from glory to glory. Because what the New Testament will do to a soul, right? Is to begin to cause change within the soul, and the more the cha- soul changes, the more glory the soul comes into, right? But there's there's the ministration that goes with making a soul to change, which is the ministration of the spirit. Does that make sense? Because it says, "Say for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life." So really, it is the ministration of the New Testament, which is by the spirit. So technically, it is the ministration of the Spirit. Right? Because the ministration of the Spirit is what, is what we facilitate a man beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord and are changed into the same image. So what will cause a soul to look into the glory of God is that ministry. Which is the ministration of the Spirit. Does that make sense now? Because for them to minister the New Testament, it must be by the Spirit. So who made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. So Paul is now talking about the ministration of the Spirit, which can cause a soul to change. Right? Or which can cause a soul to come out of darkness into light. Amen. Amen. Now it says, Therefore, in chapter 4, verse 1, seeing we have this ministry, which is the ministry of the Spirit, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Which they don't stop. They don't rest. Well, they rest. They don't get weary. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but 
by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, in summary, I just I'll just give you a summary of the thought here, in the sense that so since that we have this ministry, we are not handling the word deceitfully. Because this kind of ministry requires that a steward be faithful. You cannot have the ministry and be doing hanky panky. So Paul is saying that, seeing that we have seen this kind of ministry that is weighty, glorious, we have renounced the hidden things of the soul. Meaning that we, we, we ourselves must be changed for us to be able to minister this. Because if we have not changed, we will still have craftiness. Right? Say, say, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. If a soul has not yielded to God, it will, it will walk in craftiness, yeah. right? Or it will handle the word of God deceitfully because of the nature of the corruption in the soul. And also that, but see, look, we have this ministration of the spirit. We can't handle the word of God deceitfully. Meaning that we are faithful with this. We don't. We are not players. So now says, commending us, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, verse three. But if our gospel be hid, he's not talking about okay. See this gospel that we are preaching, which is as a result of the ministration of the Spirit. If it is, if it be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, because by nature, really, the gospel is hid to the lost. So he's saying that if they see them, it is he to them that are lost. Why? Because if a soul is not lost, a soul should come into the administration of this gospel. Right? And by the reason of coming into it, mysteries around this gospel should become demystified. So that it is no longer hidden. It means that that hid there means it is not reachable. Does that make sense? But I say that, but if this gospel is not reachable, it is not reachable to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them. So here's the problem. The reason why it is healed is because the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them. Here's the reason. It's because they are still in darkness. Say so blinded the, the minds. Now notice the word they use there is he blinded the mind. He didn't say he blinded the eye. Are we saying here? But it is the same thing. The mind and the eye are the same. When I said the same, I'm not saying they are literally the same. I'm talking about, remember Matthew 6, when it says the light of the body is the eye. Right? The light of the body is the eye. If you blind the eye, the soul will be in darkness. Yeah. The the manner of blinding the eye is not literally putting veil upon the eye, but it, it, in the spirit it is a veil. But the way Satan arranged the veil is not by putting clothes in front of men; it's by making the eye look into different things outside God's life. Yeah. Meaning, it, the eye it, it makes it, Satan makes sure the eye is not single. That's how he blinded men. Right? The bites of them which believe not, let the light 
of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So what, what's Satan blocking? Satan is blocking the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. So what Satan does not want men to see is the light of God. Because he knows that the light of God is going to cause deliverance upon his soul. And what will take what will take the light to come upon his soul has to be by the ministration of the Spirit. Amen. It says verse 5, for we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who at who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And I, and, and I think now I've reached the question and I'll, I'll just, ah, thank God, we're almost done. And I'll just use this few minutes. I don't think I'll speak long. I mean, I'm almost, almost done. But, I mean, I'm, I'm already addressing the question, so we're good. But it took all this long journey to get here. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. I guess I, had to, I just had to explain that to you. Because I know I read that uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and then we're like, hmm, sing there, and then, okay, what, what's the connection there, right? I think we've connected that. Now, we are not, Paul is not talking about the God of this world blinding the minds of them. Now, let's not forget, when I talk about the mind, it has to do with the faculty of knowledge. Mind is where we think, is where we reason, right? It's where we make judgment. It has to do with the coming together of knowledge for judgment in living. Right? Eventually, all these things trickle down to life. Amen. All these things, what? Trickle down to life. Because if a soul can see, it will see light. And what is inside light is life. Does that make sense? What light brings is life. Now, the way the way life sits inside the soul is by knowledge. Does that make sense? When light is shining and the soul is seen, what seeing means is actually receiving knowledge, a new information. Amen. Amen. It's receiving in seeing means to know. I guess that oh, that means it. To see means to know. What do you see? Light. It means that what light contains is knowledge. Because what a man can know is a knowledge. Does that make sense? Tell me, what else can a man know? I know a car. A car is a knowledge. 
I know a house. A house is a knowledge. Yeah. I know a cloth. A cloth is a knowledge. What a soul can know mm. is knowledge. Yeah. Now, knowledge can be arranged such that it forms an image. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, when the information, when the knowledge about a house mm. is arranged, what it states to a soul is house. Yeah. What house? When you talk about house, it means something to you. Yeah. Is that abstract? Yeah. Does that make sense? So when you see a house, that's actually a body of knowledge that has become an image. Which a soul can visualize. So the moment they say, oh, I'm going to a house, you can visualize where they are going without, without knowing it. Does that make sense? Oh, is it without knowing that what you say? You should know, you have, you have, you, have, you understand what they are saying. So I'm going to the house. So you, don't, you know, you clearly know that they are going to a place where they will be covered and they can sleep. Yeah. Because everything about the house has to do with you being covered, yeah. men sleeping, eating, 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 you know, you eat in a house, you cook, you live. All these things are knowledges. Wow. They are informations. Yes. Right? Yes. So when information comes together, yeah. it forms an image. And so can you visualize. visualize. You can see. Wow. So really, what a soul see in their mind are informations. Oh, Jesus is Lord. Is, that, is this what I'm saying? Is, it, is yes. this making sense? As I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm like, hmm. Sometimes it's expanding. Amen. Amen. So, the the lie that somebody is seeing, right, is actually knowledge. So now see, it says, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. How is he blinding them? By giving them another knowledge, something else to know. Now the way I was explaining how Israel was living, or the Gentiles were living, the way they were living, they, were, they have a kind of manner of life. Like I was explaining to somebody that broke into the car and stole and ran away. Yeah. What made them do that was a life information inside them that tells them it's okay to do so. So a Gentile has darkness. And that darkness is actually light to them. Which is a, is a whole lot of information. And inside that information contains manner of living. So what those information do is create images in souls. Does that make sense? So a soul can imagine a soul thinking about stealing. Hmm. What's really happening is that information about how to steal is coming and is, is becoming an image to the soul. Because the soul is seeing it and knowing and seeing how to do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, hmm. When they are not at home, I'll come at night. Information is becoming is so all, something informed. There's an information that informed him that okay, go at night when they are not at home. Yeah. When they are or when they nobody to catch you. They are, that's all information and those information 
is becoming something they can visualize. I don't know if this makes sense. Do, do you know that you actually see image before you do things? Yeah. Yes, sir. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Even though going to cook. Yeah. yeah. Hmm? <laughs> You've already pictured cooking. Yeah. Let's just say you didn't even picture the food the way it would look and all that. I know you guys do, but I mean, let's just even assume you've not. But you see, you you have information that came together that became an image to you. Yes, sir. I'm going to cook. A whole lot of information has come together, an image has been formed. The image could be, I need to eat. The image could be, I want to eat plantain. And when you say, ah, I want to eat plantain, do you know that you actually seen yourself eating plantain? Yeah. That's true, sir. But, ah, what can I eat to, I'm thinking, hmm, what do we have at home? Bread, rice, yam, you already seen yourself eating those things. By the time you choose, whatever you choose, you've seen yourself eating it before you choose it. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. I don't know if am I am I explaining this thing well? Yes, sir. So really, see is knowing. To see is to know. What you know is a light. Does that make sense? Because what you know. Is what I'm explaining concerning. See that idea of eating, and I chose. Ah, I'm going to eat banana. Or I'm going to eat plantain. It's a light. It's a light that just sh- shine upon the heart, and the heart saw. Hmm. Banana and plantain, rice and plantain will be awesome. It's like a light has shine. The heart has seen it, it has agreed. The image has been formed in the soul. It's because that see that soul area. The soul area is where is where images are formed. Remember that scripture that Paul said that casting out every imagination. Casting down every imagination. Meaning lots of images. That exalt itself above the image of God is above the knowledge, but I just use image so that it will make sense. So casting down every image, nation that exalt itself above the image of God, because the image of God is also a non is the knowledge of God which has formed an image in the soul. Does that make sense? Now, God's life can't just be received raw. Because there's a way God needs to interface his life upon soul. So God needs to convert his life into light. So when God's light is shining, it's actually his life. Then when that light shines upon the soul, the intent is to create the image of God's life inside the soul. Because it's what a soul can understand. 
Those images inside the soul are culmination of information or knowledges about God's life. Does that make sense? When God's life, the knowledge of it, as the information about it, comes together in different shapes and forms, it forms an image in the soul, which an image sees. This is how I should be. Does that make sense? So until that image is formed, that what I should be may not be clear. But God knows how to form images in souls. He keeps shining light. Light, information. And as a soul begins to meditate upon them, begins to read about, begins to think about them, it will get to a point that you will have enough information. Image will appear. Ah, I see. That I see is a sudden realization of what you should do. What you should be like. What God expects of you. Because his life has been communicated to you. So light needs to shine. So when I say the, 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 the need for light to shine. So yes, what you were saying earlier. Light means really to know. The light of this water is what is the what is information about this water that can tell me things about this water. So when that light of the water shines, yeah. what I will begin to learn and know is this water. Does that make sense? Yes, now when I say this, water, this light, the light of water shines, I know you won't see literal light coming out of this water. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when I say the light of this shine, it means that there's a tra- there's a flow of information from this water to me. Yeah. That 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 information is telling me and teaching me things yeah. about this water. By the time I've been taught about this water, and those, that information sits as an image, mm-hmm. I'll see water. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, part of Satan's work is to block God's, to block images. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, block images of God's light from arising in a soul. And that's what we call, we call blindness. But you notice that this blindness, they said, blind the minds of them which believe not. Hmm? It is easy to categorize them as unbelievers. But it's not only unbelievers. There can be, there can be believers that have not yet believed. What do I mean? What I'm trying to say is that it is when you have not started learning Christ, there is a believing you have not yet believed. Hmm? So it blinded the minds of them which believe not. It's to tell you that when you are an unbeliever, we are already blinded. It's impossible to see the light. But the moment you are born again, it means that you are on the track, on the path of beginning to see, but you have not yet started seeing. It gets to a point where you are beginning to see because the light that is upon that soul has not yet changed. Right? They need to change the light upon an unbeliever from darkness to light. 
Because darkness is what is blinding the minds of them. Just new birth alone doesn't remove it. What it, so new birth doesn't remove the light over a man, but it removes the light inside the spirit of a man. Right? But there's a correlation between the light that is shining over a man and the light inside the man. Now, don't try to picture this thing as a literal, you just see light shining upon their spiritual light. I mean, do you see light inside your soul? Now, just think about what a light means inwardly. Right? That's what light means. Light means to know, see. Knowing there's things known, or there's a mechanism of knowing inside, right? But there's also seasons of knowings upon men. Does that make sense? Yeah. Meaning that even though you may have light inside your soul, right? As a believer, you are born again, your spirit is alive, right? There's light of God in there, but that light doesn't that does not teach you. God's light by itself. That light waits for the season of light upon a soul. It connects with seasons of light. Which God brings upon a soul. Does that make sense? So when God brings seasons of light upon a soul. Because you know I say season means because there are different seasons of light. There is a season of the light of Christ. There is a season of the light of God. So when God begins to bring seasons lights upon men mean God is trying to because the season upon a soul is for the purpose of that is to create the light of that season inside the soul to get it inside amen, amen. praise the Lord so God needs to shift the light that is blinding men which is called darkness move it away and then begin to bring his own light upon the soul praise the Lord says, let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Thank God. He even says, let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Because the first light, right, that shines upon the soul after they are born again is actually the light of Christ. And that light has a glory. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is, the, who is the image of God should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I mean this I mean this these verses alone, I mean to go one by one. Ah, I mean I will need time, but I think I'll stop here today. Amen. See for God will command the light to shine out of darkness at shine in our hearts. So he commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Where is it shining? In our heart. To give. So there's a place where the light is shining from. There's a place it's shining into. To give something. Right? What is to give is 
a light of the knowledge. So the light of the knowledge. Technically, what he's saying is that it's to give the knowledge. Because yeah. light there is really the knowledge. Yeah. What they're saying. Yeah. To give the light of the knowledge. So, see as a light packaged with knowledge. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I was explaining also, that when the light is shining, what is shining are informations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those information are, uh, is called knowledge. Right? Light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Because this knowledge is about the glory of God. Right? In the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now this light is relating to Christ. So this light is in the face. So what they're talking about is the face of Jesus Christ beaming upon his soul. Wow. Amen. Yeah. Meaning it is the light. So because face is for knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Face of Christ teaches the knowledge of Christ. Wow. But Christ is the image of God. Does that make sense? Now, the first thing a soul will learn Right, is Christ because we want to learn the what God wants to teach us really is His face, but the face He gives us first is Christ to make us accustomed with His face. Once a soul can look at Christ fully, become full Christ, that's what will give a soul capability to begin to look at the face of God. Because when you hear face, it talks about knowledge. Because what the face carries, you know what face carries it? A knowledge. Yeah. Imagine seeing your neighbor remove their face mm-hmm. and see them from head to toe. What do you see? <laughs> Nothing. Just see hand, leg. But the moment you see face, it gives yeah. it gives you, oh, that is Shade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know that's a knowledge. The face tells you about a person. You can have, you know, all those photoshops where you see different bodies. You have, is it memes where you have different heads on the body? It's to tell you that the head doesn't matter. Sorry, the body, the rest of the body won't matter without the face. The face is what gives everything else a meaning. Know why? Everybody has a hand. Everybody has a leg. Everybody has a stomach. How do you know who is who? The face. The face tells who is who. So what that means is the face carries the knowledge of the body. The rest of the person's body. Imagine when two people that have the same body, you are trying to guess. You confuse. Or maybe twins that have the same body. Right? Which one is which one is this? But the moment you can confuse. But if they show you face, now this one, I know this is Shadeda's GD. Tells you that the face gives you the knowledge about a person. Yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. So when light is shining, 
what is really shining is a knowledge right and i think and i think this i guess this is also in in, in, in relations to saturday's meeting amen but I believe I believe I've tried a bit to explain that light and knowledge. Um, do we get it now? Yes, sir. Is it clear a bit? Yes. In myself, I have to listen to this thing again. I don't know yes. what will happen, but I pray that God will help us. Amen. Amen. And we can we can listen again so I will have, you know so that it sits. Amen. Amen. I know the idea is there, but for it to sit yes. properly. Amen. Amen. So light is what gives knowledge so you can't talk about when, when a light begins to shine mm. eh? what shines out what is what is, what you call shine is knowledge so if a light you are able to say shine because knowledge is coming out of it amen, amen. praise the lord hallelujah amen, amen. let us begin to thank God today father we thank you give you all the praise. Thank you for today. Grace to talk about your word. Grace to find access in your word. Grace for help. So we now exhort the Lord in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name. My Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We give you all the praise. We thank you for your mercy tonight. To find strength to speak your word. We say, we exalt the Lord in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. I will pray, O oh Lord, that concerning the scriptures, you begin to animate the letters here by your spirit, even to heart, to understand and to see and to know and to learn of that which you are teaching us in this season concerning your light, concerning your, your knowledge and things you are teaching us and how to receive deliverance even from dark light, dark knowledge, things that we have learned that ought not to be within us. Help us, O Lord, that we receive sight from the God of this world. Father, help help us by your knowledge. Let your knowledge increase upon our heart. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayer. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.